You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Captain's Coach Podcast, another sports philosophy series conversation coming at you today. And with that comes another awesome guest for our audience. Dr. Cesar Torres is a professor of philosophy of sport at Brockport University. He also happens to be the mentor of our last guest, Dr. Adam Flieger. If you listen to my conversation with Adam, you will definitely hear the similarities and crossover between the two perspectives. But today, Dr. Torres and I focus mostly on his opinion of the purpose of sport, which he puts so simply and perfectly. We drive that purpose through the rest of our conversation on what effects the belief in that purpose have on how you play the sport to how you coach a sport, how to measure success, things players and coaches take for granted, the important difference between motivations to play sport and the purpose of sport, and so much more. I think today's conversation with Dr. Torres is one of the most helpful for coaches specifically, not just in this series, but out of all my conversations I've had on this podcast. If you buy into this and explore some of these ideas, it becomes pretty difficult to have a shallow or unfinished coaching philosophy in my opinion. But I'll get out of the way here and let you listen for yourself. Please enjoy on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Dr. Torres, welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Great pleasure to be with you, Luke, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, and uh, like I mentioned before, this is now the seventh episode on our, our special sports philosophy series. Our last guest is actually one of your protégés, as we talked about, Dr. Adam Flieger. So it was, it was great to have him on. He spoke highly of you once we were we were finished recording, so I, I can't wait to get your perspective on all these things. And and starting off with our our best question of the day is, what is the purpose of sport? Well, uh, in order to answer that question, we need to think first about what is sport, because it's only after we have an understanding of what sport is that we can talk about its purpose. So we can say that sport is uh, a game in which we intentionally uh, test physical activities. Predominantly, we test uh, physical activities. And a game is, as a Canadian philosopher uh, said uh, 50 years ago, Bernard Suits, it's an activity regulated by rules in which the rules stipulate that in order uh, to accomplish the goal of the game, we use less efficient means. Uh, in other words, a game is an artificial obstacle. The kind of games we call sports are those in which, as I intimated before, we test uh, a set of physical skills. With that brief 
explanation of what a sport is, we could say that the structural goal of sports is to test our proficiency in the physical activities required by accomplishing the goal of different sports. So let's use soccer uh, as an example. The, the goal of soccer is to put this round object uh, into the net in between the goalpost under the crossbar. In order to do so, you have to follow a number of specified means. Uh, typically, soccer players use uh, their legs, their feet, in order to control the ball and try to score. So soccer is about testing our proficiency in the skills that are created by the rules of soccer. If we are talking about competitive soccer, what we are trying to do is to compare how the two sides uh, fare in relation to each other in this uh, competence related to skills. Awesome. So this is somewhat similar to Adam's perspective on this and that sport is really just, the purpose of sport is the actual participation in the physical activity and kind of winning, not necessarily winning the, the game, but just the, the proficiency of the athletic ability. And that sounds very similar to what you're saying is that we have a test of physical activity or test of physical ability inside the artificial structure of a game. And really the purpose of that is just to test our, like you said, the proficiency. I like the, I like the word usage there, the proficiency in which we can accomplish the athletic ability inside of that parameters. Is that, is that basically a good, a good summarization of your purpose of sport? I think that you summarize it uh, very well. And I'm not surprised that uh, Dr. Flieger and I uh, coincide in this approach because we have been influenced by uh, the same philosophers, Bernard Suits, Kretschmar, uh, William Morgan, and some others uh, who take this, this basic approach. When we engage in sports, uh, there's no way out. What we have to do is implement these physical skills. And that's what we are testing. And of course, we also test other skills, but the, the main goal of a sport is to test, and since you like the, the word proficiency, um, that's, uh, that's, that, that's the main goal, to test our proficiency in solving the test that is constructed by the rules. Right, right. And not only the rules, because, and I don't know if our, our conversation will go the same way and, and don't want to overlap too much with Dr. Flieger's conversation, but we kind of focused on the importance of respecting your opponent because your opponent is kind of another artificial restraint or barrier to you. And in order for you to test yourself the best way and prove yourself most proficient is if your opponent is also at their best. So that makes perfect sense kind of where our conversation went based on that, that purpose. Um, I'm guessing you would agree with him there, but what would you say to other people? Obviously there can be tangential 
and kind of secondary tertiary purposes or goals of sport, but those that may put more of an emphasis on saying that the purpose of sport is education or the purpose of sport is to develop you more as a citizen and test you for the real world. Would you say that those are secondary or tertiary goals that they, are they goals at all? Are they close to the ultimate purpose of sport? How would you kind of put those all together in perspective? People might have different motivations to participate in sports. They might participate to increase their fitness levels. Mm-hmm. They might participate to socialize and make friends. They might participate because they want to develop some moral virtues and so on. But all those motivations are subsidiary of the structural goal of a sport, which is, once again, to, uh, to test a set of physical skills. Right? So if these people want to develop whatever goals they have, personal goals, um, subjective goals, psychological goals, they are dependent on the structure of sports. If not, they would accomplish those goals in or through any other activity. Right. Science. But there's something unique about a sport, and it's the logic of a sport, what we call the gratuitous logic. This idea of solving a problem using less efficient means. Once again, this is an idea put forward 50 years ago by Bernard Suits. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. So you can you can have individual goals and motivations, but when it comes down to it, those are wrapped into the purpose of sport and that that proficiency and that test of physical ability through the restrictions and artificial barriers of sport and the game. And and that kind of ties in and like you said, we kind of find the answers to some of those other questions through that structure of sport. And it was interesting, uh, a conversation I had with um, David Papanow a couple episodes back, you know, you know, his, his book, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but it, it was basically solving philosophical problems through sport and solving sport problems through philosophy. And it comes back to that, that logic you were just alluding to. And I think it all ties together so, so perfectly And if you're a coach or an athlete out there and you think, oh, I only play sports for X, Y, and Z reasons, you're probably going to reach that goal faster or get more out of the the sport you're playing towards that end if you take the time to realize what the sport really is and you take the time to understand the true structure and purpose of sport, and you're not just taking it for granted. Is that something you would agree with? I agree with that. Um, The title of the book by Papino is Knowing the Score. Yes, thank you. Uh, It's a very interesting uh, book. But yes, uh, I would agree with that. A person who participates in a sport would get much more out of the activity if the person understands, in theory, what is the structure of a sport and then leaves out that understanding. Right, 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 exactly. And outside of 
outside of that, maybe athletes or coaches missing that aspect. Is there anything else that you see that coaches or athletes take for granted or overlook or get wrong when it comes to either coaching philosophy, playing philosophy, how they approach competition, anything along those lines that you see they commonly overlook or take for granted? I think that sometimes what is overlooked is this idea of the internal logic of a sport, the, the gratuitous logic. When we understand the structure of a sport, then we realize that what is really central are the skills, what I call the constitutive and the restorative skills of the sport, that we should dedicate ourselves to the pursuit of excellence in those skills. And if we're talking about competitive sport, um, following the idea of uh, an American philosopher who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, uh, Bob Simon, if competition is a mutual quest for excellence through challenge, yeah. then um, our dedication to excellence is cooperative, is mutual. And that's where the idea of respect comes in. When we understand the structure of a sport, we respect that structure. Mm -hmm. And when we compete, we understand that we need to respect also my opponents as well as myself and everybody who is engaged in, in, in that structure of competitive uh, sport. So the excellence in this set of skills, constitutive and restorative, is of more significance than winning. Right, and that's when we come back to the conversation of, or the cliches that you hear, we have to honor the game, respect the game, don't disrespect the game, don't do anything to harm the the spirit of the game or spirit of the sport. And I think we honestly hear that less and less today. So I think I agree with you. And that might be something that is more and more so overlooked by coaches and athletes and, and missing that, that overall outlook on the sport. And then, and then since we lose that, we do have a somewhat toxic culture that can build with this focus on winning and winning at all costs and losing our our image of the game or our perspective on the sport as a whole um so no when you when you put it in those words cesar that that makes complete sense to me our primary allegiance should be to those skills that define the game and we should honor those skills and we should pursue excellence in those skills. That is our primary, or should be, I would argue, our primary motivation to engage in sports. And that goes not only for participants, coaches, officials, but also to spectators. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of just uh, focusing on winning, we should focus on excellence. 
and we should recognize and celebrate excellence regardless of the color of the shirt right. that achieves that excellence. And we should not have much trouble in um, congratulating our competitors for playing well from a technical point of view. Uh, we should be happy, uh, satisfied when we are participants in a game of high quality, regardless of whether we win or, or, or lose. Disappointment is fine because the aspiration is to win as a sign of excellence. Right. I mean, winning in itself doesn't have much value, right. but rather as a measure of excellence. We right. can win and we, uh, we might not be satisfied with our performance because it was rather poor. Mm -hmm. so we, exactly. we should be proud when we accomplish excellence and when we win by accomplishing excellence. Right. And the structure of the sport is, you know, theoretically built and those, those restrictions are built around those fundamental skills and it's the, the outcome, the winners and losers is in theory supposed to perfectly reflect the excellence and the proficiency in those fundamentals and skills that fall into place because of the restrictions. And that is why we have winners and losers and why we aspire for winning. Because like you said, that is, that isn't just winning for winning's sake. It is winning is the, is the final product of the pursuit of excellence. And I think again, it, it's a cliche thing to say, focus on the fundamentals, focus on the fundamentals. That's why, at the youth level, coaches are really stressing the fundamentals. You know, if you're, if you're an, a youth athlete with extreme talent, but you're doing all these crazy things and you might be able to achieve at that level, down the road, if you can't accomplish the fundamental skills, it'll catch up to you and you'll see that it's not going to get you the same fruits. It's not going to give you the same winning or the same proficiency at a higher level because everyone has the talent and it becomes, okay, who can do the little things well? And I think that's a good reflection on not only just sport, but you know, any, any pursuit of any sort of excellence with any sort of restriction or barriers that are artificial or otherwise that are built in order to highlight some skill and rewards proficiency in that skill, those are what should be focused on, not just focusing on the end state and trying to find shortcuts to that end state. I fully agree with that. What I like to highlight is that in that pursuit of excellence, the cliche has, uh, has a grain of salt, right? the fundamentals. Um, yes, it is, it is about the set of skills that, um, that provide the identity to a game, right? But the pursuit of excellence um, implies what we call an internal morality. The pursuit of excellence implies dedication to these skills, implies that you respect the skills that you train really hard to improve yourself, implies that you compare yourself in relation to the standards of excellence. 
So yeah. when a coach requires athletes to be on time, to be motivated, to help each other, uh, that requires a moral attitude. Sure. But, but it's not simply that we're bringing these uh, moral values from outside. They are required by the very practice of a sport and being dedicated to excellence. Ah. I don't think I've ever thought about it that way. But when you, but, but when you say, you know, I think, I think sometimes as, as parents or even as athletes or coaches, we value sports so much because we have maybe in our heads, we say, Oh, artificially it teaches, it teaches us how to show up on time. But I don't think, and, and maybe it's just me that I've never thought about it in that way that sport inherently requires that moral attitude and those not necessarily physical skills, but those that dedication showing up on time, the discipline, but accomplishing the fundamentals, it requires all of those other intangible skills. And I've never thought about it in that framework. I think that, I think that's helpful for some coaches to maybe develop their own philosophy of coaching that you're not just artificially putting these, this moral attitude or this ethical attitude on top of the sport, but really the sport requires that in order to achieve the highest level or the high, to achieve your full potential. It requires you to have that attitude and it requires you to approach it from that, from that angle. Um, no, I, I, I think that, that, I think that's very helpful. Put it in a nice way. These values are, are inherent to the right. practice. Right. And, and it is important for coaches and teachers to realize that these values do not come from outside, mm -hmm. but they come from within. The origin is the artificiality of the rules, the artificial obstacle, the artificial problem uh, set, out, set out by the rules. So when, when an athlete asks, why do I have to be on time? Why do I have to cooperate my, uh, with my teammates? Why do I have to help others to become better? Because your allegiance to the sport requires that. Yeah, instead of responding with, oh, because that's what we do on this team, or, or putting some sort of external moral edifice on it, Really, it's as simple as if you want to be good at the sport, if you want to become proficient, which is also based in the entire purpose of sport, which is to test the proficiency of the skills and the physical ability. If you ingrain that in your athletes and then they ask that question and you say, this is an inherent requirement, an inherent piece of that entire purpose, that is so much stronger of an argument to anyone at any level than just saying, Oh, well, that's the, that's how we do things here. Like, no, that's how we do things in the sport because that's what it requires at, like you said, a very inherent level. So again, I think that's, that'll be super helpful for coaches that have never thought about it that way. It is required by the community of practitioners. Right. Ideas are very powerful, 
And this idea uh, that we are discussing, the structure of a sport, provides coaches with a very powerful rationale to justify the way they do things. They will look much less arbitrary because sometimes they look right. arbitrary. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, I, and I think that athletes, young athletes, uh, more developed athletes, they are entitled to an explanation of why things are done in any given way. And like you said, simply saying, this is how we do it here, or this has been the tradition, is not good enough. It doesn't respect the, the critical skills that athletes possess. We should explain to them fully why we are doing what we are doing. Of course, adapting our explanation to their age. You know, right. uh, uh, finding ways to explain in their own language why we do things. But they are entitled to an explanation of what's going on. And not simply because, and I've seen many coaches do this, it's because I say so. I'm the authority. Uh, I establish the rules. You follow the rules. That's not good enough. Right, because like you said, if, it, if, if you come up with this arbitrary reason, these athletes at this level that are entitled to a real answer, they can see right through that arbitrariness, the, the arbitrary nature of the rules that you are making up as an authority figure. They'll see right through that and they'll lose interest or they'll lose respect or they'll stop listening to you and they'll do their own thing because they might find another way to accomplish what you want, but it's not inside the, the spirit of the game or the, or the purpose of the sport that we've been talking about here. Um, so as a coach, and like you said, that's where the art of coaching plays such a big piece in being able to communicate at different levels to different individuals. And that's, you know, a, a tentative leadership at, at the captain's coach that we preach is the art of communication. And that makes it so much more difficult if you don't understand why you're even telling your athletes to do it. Cause I think sometimes coaches don't even know the reason why they do it themselves and being able to understand that structured in your own mind and then be able to communicate that to your team it, you'll have such an easier time with everyone following the structure that you want to put in place. Granted that it's the right plan in place. When people understand and own um, what they are doing, the chances to be successful are much higher. And I don't mean success simply in terms of outcomes, results. Success in the sense of the goals that the team establishes for itself, always in relation to the structure of the sport. Yes, because you don't necessarily want to measure just on outcomes. And that's been a common theme that we've had in these episodes and these conversations when it comes to the philosophy of sport is success is definitely not only measured by outcomes and honestly outcomes should just be an inherent byproduct of success that if you set your goals the right way, which 
like you said, it's the goals established by the team and those goals are going to be a reflection of the culture on the team. And if the leadership, whether that be the team captains or the, the, the senior leadership or the coaching leadership, if you have a culture and a framework, you're going to get goals that show true success. And if that's your focus, you will have the outcomes you want. But if you focus solely on the outcomes, you may not have the success and then you may not even reach those outcomes. You may reach those outcomes anyways, but you're not going to have true success. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's kind of how I've, I've framed it in my mind through these conversations when we talk about success and goals and what our true aims should be for a team and as a team. I have a special interest in youth sport. And when we talk about youth sport, we need to take into account the structure of a sport, but at the same time, we need to talk about the nature of childhood. And if we agree that childhood is a period of growing and enrichment par excellence, then the development of the skills growing into the sport is at the same time a tool to help children develop into mature beings. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest that success in youth sport has to do with growing into the sport, but at the same time, trying to measure in some way how participation in a sport is making a contribution to the development of, of those children. Are they uh, developing their own voice? Are they becoming more autonomous? Are they becoming more themselves? So it's not just about success in terms of winning, losing, or even developing the skills of the sport. Success there is also measured in whether we have made a contribution to the well-being and the flourishing of these children as they mature into adulthood. Right, because if you didn't have that, if you didn't have that personal development or that youth development into, like you said, more autonomous, confident, independent, with a voice that are on their way to contributing to society in other ways, then, then why do we even have youth sport? And it, and it can't just be for these children to experience wins and losses, because there's no way any parent or any youth sport organizer could agree with that statement. So what else is there to that? And that's, I think, the easiest way to kind of conceptualize the, the success. And I played a sport in college lacrosse where there is no, there's not much after college. You know, even if you're the most elite player 
and you are able to play at the professional level, very, 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 very few make a living solely on the sport of lacrosse at the professional level. So in college, what is the goal of playing college lacrosse? Well, one, it's to be able to attend a academically rigorous school and get a great education, but it's also those same kind of skills that you develop during youth sports, you know, now it's just bumped up another level. And there definitely is that, that like we were talking about at the very beginning, there are subsidiary goals and motivations for individuals to play sports and understanding those are all wrapped in the inherent framework and structure of the sport, but being able to measure success in those less tangible, less visible ways, again, comes back to a very, a very helpful way, I think, for coaches to develop their own coaching philosophy. You know what I, I would also say is that success has to do with appreciating the, the finding the skills of the sport, falling in love with them, so you practice that sport throughout your lifetime. We live in a society with uh, high uh, levels of in physical inactivity, obesity, mm -hmm. uh, overweightness. Mm -hmm. So if we appreciate the structure of a sport, we love the activity, we fall in, in, in love with it, then we will continue doing that activity. Yeah, exactly. Because nobody, nobody's going to play a sport recreationally as an adult that they hated as a child. And, and some of the ways you can quickly turn an athlete off of a sport is to only focus on winning and losing and not developing those skills and those fundamentals. So they just have a complete distaste for the sport by the time they're a young adult. And when they're an adult, they have no taste for it at all. And we have now created somebody that has no taste for physical activity. So I think that's, uh, go ahead. Unfortunately, uh, what you are describing is way too often. Right. Uh, the, the dropout rate is huge for the sport. So obviously we're, we're doing something wrong when people don't appreciate the activity for what it is and they don't have a passion for it. Jeez. But, but for, for, again, for that, you need to understand and live out, experience the structure of a sport. Uh, you need to be committed to those sports. I, 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 I'm always so impressed when I see uh, adults uh, running, <laughs> swimming, walking, and you see that uh, even though they might be sweating, and you see grimaces in their faces, they are struggling, uh, that struggle has meaning. When that physical activity, that sport provides meaning in your life, when it provides you with a sense of direction, uh, that, that's a lot to say in a society in which we are hugely de defined by the work we do, productivity, consumption. Now you have a passion. Mm -hmm. you, wake, you wake up and the highlight of your day is going to be 
participating in sports or engaging in physical activity, that is a sign of success. Right, right, exactly. And I think, I think this, this kind of just came full picture for me, or full circle for me. You know, we start with the purpose of sport being the, the test of proficiency of skills. And you see an adult out here running, swimming, just a, a very bland, straightforward physical activity and enjoying that struggle because they are testing some proficiency of a skill that may have been a skill that was a part of a sport they played as youth. And it's definitely not someone who had winning and losing be the defining factor in that sport growing up. So if we are really robbing, if we don't focus on that true essence of sport, that purpose of sport from the beginning and all the way through, and we don't understand that, it is really hard to develop an appreciation for that struggle. Because if it's just winning and losing, why would anyone go running at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. as a 35, 40, 45, 50, 55 year old who will never run a race in the rest of their lives? The only reason they're doing it is for that struggle to test themselves. And without understanding that purpose or that, that drive at the very beginning and the essence of sport, that I don't think that exists. I don't think that appreciation exists. I'd like to believe that coaches are teachers who introduce people to this very powerful kingdom we call physical activity and sports. I like to think about coaches in terms of being people who seduce you into the most intricate aspect of physical activity and sport. They show you the way. They show you the most delightful elements of physical activity. They help you to fall in love with physical activity and sports. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a, I think that's a great way to summarize it, Dr. Torres. And I, and I think that's a, that's a great way to end it here because I know you, you are on a little bit of a time crunch this evening. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. Your perspective has really got my brain um, thinking about this in different ways. Um, and, and I can say the same for the, my previous guests as well. I think almost every, every one of these sports philosophy conversations I've had have really just, you know, left me, left me with some, some thoughts for the rest of the rest of the night, the rest of the next day, the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the week. So I just want to say thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and sharing with us. I thank you uh, for the opportunity, Luke, and I'm delighted that you are having this series on the philosophy of sport and physical activity. And if I and my colleagues leave you with questions, that's what we philosophers do. We ask questions, we plant a seed, and hopefully that will grow into a wonderful um, flower that keeps questions. I, I don't know if the metaphor works really well, but if you have questions, my, my job uh, has been accomplished. And more questions will lead, uh, hopefully, for more explorations right. and tentative answers. Um, that's what we philosophers do. Thank you. Awesome.
Beautifully said, beautifully said. Well, thank you again, and, and I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.